It's my pleasure to be with you here this evening. I've gotten to uh, know a lot of wonderful folks here at uh, Blue Springs Christian Church over the years. Dr. Furneaux being one of those and pretty, pretty much at uh, different times all of your staff. And I just appreciate them and uh, appreciate you. And uh, I'm here because in my part-time retired years, it's my goal to help more people than I did in the years previous. And to do it by doing this, speaking and presenting and sharing tips and guides that are scripturally sound, that are God-centered, Christ-ordained for the best mental health, the best emotional health, and to give people hope and guidance for working on their best physical health during tough times, during stressful times. Stress is something common to all of us. Uh, stress may uh, certainly vary in degrees with who we are and the uh, experiences we have, but nonetheless, stress can be a major hindrance to enjoying and experiencing the abundant life that Jesus Christ talked about so much in the New Testament. You know, when stress escalates in our lives, it becomes very difficult to think. You ever experienced that? It becomes very difficult to think, and it becomes very difficult to manage what we feel. Even when small and unwanted things happen, it may momentarily paralyze us before we can move forward. And the things I'm going to share with you are things that may have happened to you, but they are true things that have happened to people I've known. And I won't say which ones of them have happened to me. But you know, little things, they aren't little at the time, but things like Dropping your keys down that crack between the elevator and the floor on the third floor going to your doctor's appointment. You know that well of anxiety? What do I do now? And I don't know if you know this, but in some office buildings it costs us two or three hundred dollars to get uh, someone there to get a mount. So it's not only stressful from the standpoint of what do I do now, but it costs us money. Or something like uh, watching in slow motion as your newest cell phone slides off that cooler in your boat to the bottom of the lake. We all know that kind of feeling. Or like someone I knew recently who had just purchased a new car and they thought they had their big pot of soup going to actually help a family in need and put it in the floor of their new car and a person pulled out in front of them, you know the rest of the story. I'm sure almost everyone here has been in traffic jams when you were on the way thinking you had plenty of time for very important meetings or very important appointments. You can just feel your body stress and tense. And it takes a lot of self-control and regulation and self-talk to keep yourself from just getting more and more nervous, anxious, or even sometimes angry. 
Or like one person I knew who was in such a hurry that when she got in her car and hurried to back out the garage, she clipped that mirror on the right and, oh my, did she ever feel stressed. Or other things like taking your dog to the groomer and it hates the groomer and it gets loose from you right before you get to the door and you have to chase it through the next two neighborhoods. Or something like uh, that well up of embarrassment and stress you feel when you wear a new piece of clothing to church but you forgot to take the tags off and somebody brings it to your attention. That's not too stressful. Or like one person I knew recently whose teenage daughter came down the stairs and this was before COVID when school was all in session and everything and she kissed her father, he had bald head kind of like me and she kissed him on the forehead and he didn't think anything about it but when he went to the post office they were smiling real big at him. When he went to Quick Trip they were smiling real big at him. He was thinking to himself, his self-talk was, man, everybody's happy today. And then when he got in his car after two or three other stops, he saw a big old red lipstick mark on his forehead. And instantly he welled up with, I guess maybe embarrassment or feeling that immediate realization when the light came on why everyone was really smiling. Or have you ever known or had that experience where your family member told you when you came out of a public restroom that you had a tail following you, the toilet paper? You're embarrassed. Or here's one I think's the best I've ever known. Have you ever tried to throw your old Coke or tea out the window and it wasn't down? Now that's stress. That has actually happened to some folks I know in a hurry moving out, trying to get places, trying to do things, and oh my. So life is full of all kinds of little unwanted, unexpected stressors. And we, we, we might say right now, well, where are you going with that, Steve? And I would say this, those are the boot camp for the big ones to come. Those are the boot camp for the big ones to come. And these five principles that I'm going to unfold in this sermon and the next sermon that I will do, these five principles, it's not that any one of them are going to be brand new or something fantastically, excitingly new for you, but it's the combination and it's the extreme presentation of the power of all of these five principles. And there'll be two of them maybe that you haven't heard of, but most of them you've heard of in one form or another. And over the years, as I've worked with soldiers, as I've worked with families, with marriages, with people in distress, these are five common areas that people often lack training and guidance in their lives. You know, long before Freud, Young, Ellis Rogers, all those folks uh, thought of as the pioneers in the modern movement of psychological movement, long before they were ever born. Here's something God told us. God told us to trust in Him with all of our heart. In the Hebrew, that really means our whole being, everything about us. Trust in Him with everything about us. And then He said, secondly, do not lean on your own understanding. 
Now the first thing about the heart in the Hebrew concept would be the same thing we call today the emotive person. The second thing where he says do not lean on your own understanding is the cognitive person. And then thirdly he says in that great famous Proverbs passage, he says lean not on your own understanding. Then he says in all of your ways acknowledge him. Ways there in the Hebrew means your actions, your behaviors. And so there we have the behavioral. And there we have in Holy Scripture, long before anybody knew how to use the word psychological, we had the modern triad of psychology, the, uh, the emotive, the cognitive, and the behavioral. Right in Scripture. And the whole point is balance all those. That they all work in sync. They all work together. And then the wonderful thing that that Scripture tells us is, if we balance those and we really focus on those and we do what those scriptures say, it then says, and he will direct your path. If we want clarity, if we want a guide in life, if we want to develop in a healthy, sound way, then we must live out the balance of those three things, the emotive, the cognitive, and the behavioral person to make the decisions, the choices, and take the courses of action that are best. So these five principles which protect our hearts and our minds in times of stress can be seen right there in Scripture long before we knew about psychologists as we know today or psychiatrists. I want to read down through a few Scriptures. There's only seven or eight And I'm going to make a few comments, and then I'm going to weave the two principles into those comments and make references back to the context and to the the circumstances around which these scriptures were written and given to us. The first scripture is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And it says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. That's not popular in our culture today, is it? Everybody wants to be their own. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We Americans are not doing a very good job of honoring anything or anybody with our bodies, especially God. The context of this particular scripture has to do with sexual immorality, if you go back and read the context. But a strong case can be made that there are multiple areas in which we can dishonor God by dishonoring our bodies. So the theme here is, as Paul the Apostle was being led and and directed by God to give us Holy Scripture, the theme here is that you're going to see unfold, because these are all out of Corinthians and out of Philippians and out of Colossians. The theme you're going to see unfold is that God has entrusted us with many important things, but key things like our bodies.
The second scripture is 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And it says this, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Now ladies, the very next word talks about women and church, but that's not what I'm preaching on tonight, so I'm not going to say anything about that. But that's another whole sermon, another whole focus. But aside from that, there are multitudes. If you go back and read 1 Corinthians 14 and chapters before, chapters after, you'll find that there was a lot lot of disruption in the early church. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of things happening that the great church leaders were saying should not be happening. And it caused disorder. You know, I don't know if any of you have heard of or even read the book by Peter Walsh, Enough Already. It's a great book. His subtitle is, Clearing Mental Clutter to Become the Best You. Do you have any mental clutter? I'll admit that I have had on many occasions. If I get too many things going, I get overwhelmed. Hey, I don't like people who are multitaskers. No, I do like them. I don't mean to say that, but I'm a single tasker. I do well focused, but I can focus so well. Just ask my wife. I can focus so well that I shut out everything else. But I can do that focus well. But God has created in us all kinds of different strengths and powers and capabilities And there's a need for both of those kind of characteristics and traits. But as we read about this here, this issue, this idea of disorder, there are great blessings in order, aren't there? There are great curses and great fear and pain and disorder. And we've been experiencing that with the things we're going through with with all the COVID things, with all of the other things in life in our country, we're experiencing a tremendous amount of disorder. And that disorder breeds a lot of uh, instability. It breeds, it almost creates itself after a certain period of time. And that's something I know you're praying about, that you're thinking about, and possibly some of you are really worrying about. I'm concerned about it, certainly. I'd like to be able to say I'm not really worrying about it, but I probably am. But I'm trying to keep it at the level of concern and not let it be fixated in my mind and keep myself focused. And I'm going to show you in a moment where Jesus Christ, according to the Scripture, is the only thing and the only one who can keep it together. Ever felt like you weren't keeping it together? just in your personal world, in your personal life. Sometimes we can feel that way if our stress gets high enough. The third scripture is 2 Corinthians 10.5. This one's a familiar one for most of you. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wow, that's a cognitive verse if I ever saw one. If you want to talk in terms of modern psychology, that's a verse about how God works in us surrendering our total thinking 
to Christ. And there's really nothing better than that that we can do. And that's what these five principles are all about. Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without grumbling. Don't you love that verse? (laughs) I'm sure most of you here have read it. You've heard it. Do everything without grumbling. Verse 14. Or arguing. Sounds like God was talking to his teenagers, doesn't it? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. If you've been wondering how can I help this disorder that we're all living in, then I would say try to live like that. And be a shining star to your family, to your neighbors, to your friends. Everybody needs a shining star today. And that's what a shining star would be like. Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, in the last verse that I'll read. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth and and. I'm going to ask you your patience. Bear with me. I'm going to do something here in just a moment that will deviate from the Scripture a little. Not destroy the Scripture, but deviate from it. See if you can catch it, okay? For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Remember, things were created for Him, women and men, young and old, rich and poor, married and single, Jew and Gentile, red and yellow, black and white, Democrats and Republicans, House and Senate, Biden and Trump. They're all under Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. At least in the view of the Christian today. That's an important piece to remember to keep order in our minds. That's an important piece to think on, to keep our self-talk healthy and our prayers focused and directed in wherever they ought to be going. Now, I'm going to do something here because I look at this more as a teaching moment than a preaching moment. So is anybody back there willing to speak up and tell me in the sound booth, uh, I didn't happen to look what time I started. How many minutes do I have left by your standard time? I like that guy. Seriously, though, how many do I? Thirteen minutes. Thir- oh, wow. That's great. Thank you. You know, up here, if you've never stood behind a pulpit, when you're standing behind a pulpit, the time just goes extremely fast. And uh, those of you on staff or those of you who are uh, lay men and women who may speak, you probably understand that. But I, I can really bring this to a hopefully encouraging supportive basis now in these next 10 to 13 minutes. Principle number one, on the screen, if you happen to be writing, it's going to show some spaces. Principle number one is self-care. See that? If we were grading ourselves on how well we care for ourselves, I wonder what grade we would get. Here is the longer version of this principle, and I'm going to read it out loud here. Principle number one, our It's providing our bodies, or our body, and personal space 
personal space. That would mean like things like your house, your office, your cars. Oh, I think it would be great. I'm going to suggest to Dr. Furneaux that you guys have a contest one Sunday. And you don't announce it. It's kind of like being tested for drugs. You don't announce it. And there's going to be judges, and they're going to walk by people's cars and see who has the most comfortable-looking car inside. We would see in a church this size all kinds of different states of cars, wouldn't we? If you've ever had kids and teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. I went to get in my granddaughter's pickup that she bought for me here a little while back, and I had to move a lot of stuff to get in and to find my spot. But this, this principle says provide our body and personal space all the necessities of life they were meant to have so they can foster a climate of harmony and balance and clarity. Do you know disorder, if we were to personify these words, disorder is a stark enemy to harmony, to balance, and to clarity. Now, I'm not talking here about being a perfectionist and being only concerned about being clean and orderly more than you are about relationships. I'm talking about a balance, sound, healthy cleanliness, a sound, healthy orderliness. Because if you go too far to the other extreme with perfection, which I don't have time to really talk about why this is, but it can be just as unhealthy as no perfection at all. So God wants us to move toward the move toward excellence is the move toward balance. Not radicalism either direction. But there's a balance that is the divine posture. Balance. And so when you look there, you, you, to, if you want harmony in your life and in your mind, if you want balance in your life and in your mind, if we want clarity in our lives and in our minds, then we need to take care of ourselves and our space. I'll suggest a fun thing to think about, but not something we would really want to do. How about let's have an agreement? Since I'm going to speak here again, let's say you're coming back next Thursday. Let's all agree we will not take a shower. We will not brush our teeth. We will not change our clothing. We will sleep in our clothing. We will not do any of the typical hygiene things that are important to do. Uh, we would need to be spread out more. You get the point, don't you? Regular care for the body and hygiene. And I'm all about preventive medicine and preventive care. I'm all for that. I push it. I do it in my own life. And I believe God has so blessed that. But, you know, I was raised in a family that were, they were good folks, but I was raised in some macho kind of mentalities that said, I don't need a doctor. I won't go to a doctor unless I'm fainting and can't lift my arm. When we don't take care of our bodies, back to, remember that sexual immorality thing, and we don't take care of our bodies then we're creating, creating disorder in our lives. So I want to encourage you that self-care, and the reason I put this one number one, 
Self-care is the number one principle. The reason I put it as the number one, it's mine, in my professional opinion, if we don't take care of ourselves, then it will make it harder for us to do all the other four principles. Because you cannot separate the body, the spirit, the mind from each other. They greatly impact each other. The way we feel impacts how we think and vice versa. So physical care is really important and an orderly environment is really important. And while we're not going to do this, it would be something, would it not, if God would flash on the screen our various homes, offices, and cars to demonstrate whether we're doing well at self-care and orderly environment. So folks, self-care, I believe, is the number one. When you hear self-care, if any of you are in the mental health business, when you hear self-care, you were probably automatically thinking of counselors who need to take care of themselves or people who just need to take care of themselves. That's true. That's a part of it. But it goes much deeper and it's much broader and it's much greater. People, period, need to take care of themselves. You know why? Because God said our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember reading that back there? It's where God's Spirit resides. And if we do things or don't do things that create chaos and disorder in our bodies, then it makes it harder for us to be spiritually alert, mentally sharp, and emotionally sound. So number one principle is self-care. Number two principle. This is what a lot of counselors would put as number one. But I put it number two because I think number one directly impacts it. The second one is self-talk. How we think to ourselves. Do you know that researchers tell us that the average person thinks at the rate of approximately 12 to 1400 words and phrases per minute. If you multiply that out in a given normal waking day, as I already have, that's over three million words and phrases that go through our minds every day. Isn't that phenomenal? In fact, I just think the brain's phenomenal. If God gave me another lifetime to live, I'd like to be a brain specialist of some kind. Wouldn't have to be a medical doctor specialist. I could be someone else in some other field. But I love to study how the brain functions. Here's principle number two, self-talk. Evaluate, update, and renegotiate our thinking every day. Now, some of you might think you do that. And you may do that. You may have, you may have done lots of these things I'm already talking about, which is wonderful, without calling it the names I'm calling it. But self-talk, that principle means we evaluate, update, and renegotiate our thinking every day as often as needed to obtain, and here's the key, peaceful, productive, and purposeful thinking. I would ask the question, I would pose this to you. How much percent of your time, conscious waking time, could you define your thinking as peaceful, 
productive, and purposeful. That's just for you privately to think about. You don't have to write this down, but I'm going to give you something I call STAR. This is what I used to give. And by the way, I'm part-time and I'm retired from therapy, from counseling. I still have a handful of clients, but I've been trying to let them move on for the last two to three years. And once they've gone, what I do now is I supply counseling to our counselors and support to them. Diakonos in the last 20 years has grown to 24 counselors in three offices and we treat a little over 500 people in counseling every week. So now you know what I'm doing in part-time retirement work. I love being there. I love helping those younger counselors who are just developing and growing and becoming better and better counselors. And I get calls all the time from all 24 of them. Dr. Pringle, I don't know what to do about this. And I may not. But you see, I believe when two or three people put their heads together, the Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, there I will be. So together with that Christian counselor and me, as a Christian, we pray, we talk, we use the skills we've learned and been trained in, and we work toward a solution and a treatment. But Star, I'm just going to say this to you, and I will have copies of this uh, to make available next session on, Sunday on. But STAR is an acronym or an outline that I've given people for developing and making their self-talk healthier. The S stands for slow down, suspend, and if possible, secure your thinking and feelings from getting worse. That's hard to do sometimes. But guess what happens when we feel stress? Our brain speeds up. We want to go faster. We want to either run, you know, the, uh, the flight immediate reaction to things, or we want to attack somebody, fight or flight, or something, somebody or something. And so one of the great skills of self-talk proficiency is being able to slow down your thinking to suspend it. Suspend it means pause it. Don't let it get worse. Don't let your mind run away with you as you've heard from other people at times. So suspend your thinking. Here's what it says, the principle. Evaluate, update, and renegotiate our thinking every day as often as needed to obtain peaceful, productive, and purposeful thinking. Star, the S is suspend and slow down your thinking. T, talk to yourself about two things. And by the way, folks, this star is, this outline is based on Philippians 4, the no worry chapter. If you go home and read Philippians 4, you'll see this star outline. But think about two things. Think about things you're thankful for in spite of the worry and the stress you're feeling. And secondly, think about reasonable expectations and requests you may have of God about this worry. A, acknowledge and activate the following list of things to think about. Think about good things. True, factual good things. Think about good people. True, genuine, absolutely good people. And think about lovely things. Do you remember that 
passage in Philippians 4 where it says, Now think on these things, things that are lovely, so on and so on. R, the R of star. If you've done STA effectively, you will be able to release your previous thinking by reframing, restructuring, rehabbing, and rehabbing. By the way, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, where it says we take every thought captive, that's the biblical's way, the Bible's way of saying, that's God's way of saying, I'm giving you a way to rehab your mind, to rebuild and rehab your mind. But it goes on to say, the, the R is release your previous thinking by reframing, restructuring, rehabbing how you are now thinking about this worry and stress. And then the second thing I believe is, that's important under principle of self-talk is to consult others. Remember Proverbs where it says, don't lean on your own underthinking or on your own understanding? I believe one of the greatest causes of stress within people is they go too fast, they make decisions often too fast, they make choices too fast, and they don't consult wise people. You ever been upset at a family member because they just, like a bull in a china closet, went ahead and did something on their own personal opinion, and it ended up nothing but chaos and disorder? And that's what's happening in a lot of people's lives. And God has told us, consult. Consult others. Not just any other. Consult your pastor. Consult your trusted church members. Consult your trusted staffs. You know, my grandkids get into trouble most of the times because they didn't consult me and their grandmother. They just went and got something because they thought they could. Or they went and did something because they just wanted to. But it turned out it was not a wise thing or it was dangerous or there was something not right about it. Well, you know, when stress comes, living without a plan will leave us confused and misguided. Living without an anchor will leave us unstable and unreliable. Living without a friend will leave us sad and lonely. Living without a purpose will leave us hopeless and helpless. Living without faith will leave us frustrated and fearful. Living without scripture will leave us empty and spiritually and emotionally hungry. Living without work and fun will leave us shallow and weak. Living without a good routine will leave us scattered and unprepared for what's coming. Living without God will leave us peaceless and powerless. Our motto every day needs to be what we carry in our pockets, in our purses, every day of our life, from every penny to every $100 or more size bills, we need to, as our money says, in God we trust. Chaplain Robert Preston Taylor was a great American hero in World War II. One of the many, one of the thousand. He was a chaplain who accompanied the prisoners on the Bataan Death March. He watched his fellow soldiers brutally 
killed. He watched individuals die of disease and starvation. And when Chaplain Robert Preston Taylor was interviewed and asked if he ever wanted to give up, he said, only every day. He said, in my mind, there was a battle every day. I even considered taking my own life because of all of the disorder, the hurt, the carnage that I was seeing before my very eyes. But he said, one day, I turned a corner mentally. And I turned that corner when I realized, as I had been crying out to God, why? Don't we all do that when awful, bad things happen? Why? He said, I had cried out to God over and over in my mind, why? Why am I still alive? He had survivor's guilt on that march to the degree you cannot imagine. And he said, why, God, am I still alive? Why have you abandoned these great soldiers? And he said it was like almost a blast of light came on in his mind. And God said, I haven't abandoned them. I have put you there with them. He was a prisoner of war for three years. When he came home, his wife, thinking he has died in action, was remarried. Now, men and ladies, can you imagine the stuff going on in his head? But here's a Christian man. Can you imagine the struggles he had in his mind as he worked through all of that trauma, all of that? But on August the 16th, 1962, President John F. Kennedy swore him in as the third chief of chaplains of the United States Air Force. What a great testimony to all of us. May we pray. Father, I thank you for giving us breath and life and an opportunity to be here together tonight. Just bless Pastor David and all the staff and all the folks as they work together to adapt and adjust and to deal with the current stress of our times. God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will be felt in this closing time by each one of us. I just pray that the purity, the power, the grace, and the goodness of Jesus Christ will be renewed. Oh,